0: Welcome to the Voyager Podcast, hosted by Chris Vick and Brad Alexander. We're a weekly show about authentic faith in unlikely places. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We hope you're encouraged. Hey, welcome to the Voyager Podcast, and we are on ground level right now, episode zero, an introduction. And my name's Brad Alexander. I'm here with Chris Fick. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just to kind of start it off, I think, Chris, we've had like a lot of conversations just around the hall and had a heart to do a podcast. And we kind of want to get into what that's about and what our heart, heart for it is. But I think just to template some of the conversations we have, we both have a heart for what I would consider the countercultures, be it music, action sports. And we have different backgrounds. Of course, we want to kind of get a, into some of that too. But what would you say the heart of what is what is this podcast we're about to do? What is Voyager here? I think it, it's been a lot of
1: conversation we've had talking about this. And, and this is basically like an outflow of all of our conversations. We're like, we should just Record it, yeah, and turn it into a podcast because because we do love these countercultures and um and we but more so we love Jesus and our lives have been radically transformed but it it doesn't mean we're not still part of those cultures and we've seen Christianity uh, done well and we've seen it done poorly agreed um, <laughs> and so I think that. Uh, Our heart is to encourage people wherever they're at, wherever they find themselves, those who are part of a counterculture or not, to follow Jesus, to know him. And um, so I think a lot of these things will definitely apply to the counterculture, but they'll also apply to everyone. Like there's nothing super unique about that, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I completely agree. I think we're two guys that have had our lives changed from the, you know, the trajectory we were on radically changed. And one thing we talk about a lot is like, man, we love these places we came from and we kind of still love friends and love aspects of the culture. And then there's some other stuff too. And we're always talking about like how cool it is that there are people we know. And even us at times that have done like things within the hardcore scene or skateboarding or surfing that still honored who they are as their faith in Jesus, but still loving the skate skate world, the surf world, the music world, but not being conformed to what some of that is, right? And just kind of talking through, like, what does some of that look like? Those are, like, really fun and challenging conversation pieces. Like, what does it look like to be a Christian in the hardcore scene?
1: yeah. Well, I think a lot of that is – it's just the tr- the body in general, right? Um, Paul reminds us that we're like – we're all part of one body, but we're different members. Yes. So we're different parts of the body, and he even references why we shouldn't think we should be other parts, like look like other parts. So we have different – we're made differently, we have a different disposition, we have different backgrounds, we have all these different things, and so um, – I think a lot of people are turned off by Christianity because they think, "Oh, I'm gonna have to like completely get rid of my uh, who I am." I felt that way for sure. Right, a-, a lot of people do, and I think, I guess it's actually really courageous to do it anyway. But you found out that like who you really are when you become united with Christ and He starts working in your life is like a redeemed version of what you were. Yeah. So you don't you're not less creative. You're more creative.
0: Absolutely. You're
1: not less counterculture, you're actually more countercultural. <laughs> so that I think that's what's actually really cool about it. So I think when I think about like punk rock, hardcore, skateboard, there's like a rebellious attribute, you know, aspect to it that is a hundred percent in line with following Jesus. It it is counterculture from the world, man, with such a different feel. So um that's why I don't feel like any of this is is it's all worth talking about and it's worth looking at because I think it actually uh, there's a real opportunity for people who are from these worlds to make a huge impact um, based on who they are and, and and what they bring to the table. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful for some of the stuff that was around because I had that same... I, um, I had some different run-ins and we'll get into that later, but when I ultimately realized that I cannot deny that I believe... In God, and I believe in Jesus. The second thought I had is like, "Oh, but like, who am I supposed to be now?" Uh, the those churchy people I've run into, like they're not going to accept me. And I realized very quickly that was actually a deception. Mm-hmm. Is there were people out there that were like talking about God, but also like skateboarders and love skateboarding, right? And name any other rock climbing, music, surfing, skating. Doesn't matter. You're always going to find people because that's what the body of the church is like. But kind of before we get into all of that, for anyone who doesn't know us, let's get into our backstory. How, yep. how do we know each other, Chris? Right. Um, so we met
1: at Kingsfield Church in South Orange County, Elisa Viejo. Um,
0: Probably around 2014, 2015?
1: Yeah, that's... That's what I was thinking. 2015 is probably accurate. That's what I was thinking, too. We were there from 2011, my wife, and well, it started with just my son at three weeks old. And then crazy. By the time we left, we were a family of four with the fifth in uh, my wife's stomach. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we were there from 2001 to 2016. So we met in, yeah, probably about 2014. I think that sounds about right. Sounds right. Yeah. Uh, I was in a... Uh, assistant pastor there. And uh, it was a really cool church. It really felt like there was a lot of really cool people there. And we met there, and we found out we had a lot of
0: um, mutual, even friends, and, and similar background, right? Yeah, absolutely. So my cousin, well, I guess my second cousin, Danielle, uh, lived in the area.
1: It's like second cousin once removed. It's That's like, like really weird, right? Because it's it's a different generation. You're, you're, her dad is your cousin, right? Yes. So it's the second cousin once removed.
0: But her dad's so much older than me that like Danielle... I sit between Danielle and her dad age-wise. Right. But um, my wife, Alyssa, and I had just gotten married. We moved to Aliso. We were going to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and the drive was like out of control. It's like this gives us a reason to just not go to church on Sunday because the drive. And I knew that Danielle was her... I think Frankie was still her boyfriend. No, they were married. No, they her were, husband yeah. was leading worship at a church in the area so I'm like, "Hey, what's this what's this about?" and I found out it was like a Calvary Chapel. I'm like, "Awesome." And I came and I want to say I got introduced to you like first day. And we were both like kind of like tattooed guys in the church, so like not that it matters, but it's like, "Oh, cool. This guy's kind of like in my tribe. We probably have something similar." And then it's like, "Oh, you were in a band?" Death Star and I'm like I saw you guys play when I was in high school. You played a bill in South Orange County. You were from Redlands, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if you were in the band at that time. Jury's out on that. But I saw Death Star play. Uh, I think with Under Oath in Orange County at maybe St. Edward's Church. And a bunch of your friends knew some of the Orange County kids. So I had met like Josh Highland way back 20 years ago or something, 21 years ago. It was funny we had all this commonality, and I think we hit it off pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, it's funny with the tattoos; like, it could be a, a total connection or totally not even close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I found that to be the case where it's like we're either gonna have a lot of similarities or like none.
0: <laughs> yeah, and um, and Brandon Kennedy was there too, and yep. he like knew a bunch of the hardcore band guys, and it was so funny because it's like, whoa. I've never been to a church where like people knew this scene I came from, which kind of ties into us doing this podcast. Right. It's like, oh, I had been like going to church for probably like seven, eight years at that point. And I'm like, I've never walked into a church and people are like, oh yeah, I used to go to hardcore shows and like, <laughs> oh yeah, like I'm friends with the guy who sang in that band or this. And it's like, oh, no kidding. Like we all come from similar backgrounds. This is crazy.
1: Yeah, totally. And um, Yeah. That that was. I remember meeting Brandon too, and and seeing him at a show. And then all of a sudden, he's like, "Oh, I'm going to come to the church." So he started coming, and it's like all the connections. That's it's fun because it's like people,
0: it's like your people, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, some of my best friends to this day, Brandon Phillips, you like, we all met through this church, and that kind of like leads to present day. Right now, we're we're recording this in Calvary Carlsbad, Calvary Chapel Carlsbad, where you are the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. And my wife and I, about a year ago, moved down here because we came and we were so like enthralled with what was going on here. We're like, "We want to be a part of this." And we were feeling like season was changing, and it's like, what's the next chapter?" And we just felt like God saying, like, "Go be a part of Calvary Carlsbad, help them with their media. I'm a video production guy. You kind of needed a video production guy. Right? <laughs> or could use one, not that you need it, but it would be helpful. Definitely. Um, so you took over this church about six years ago, but this is an awesome chance to just bridge into this for the the listeners. Let's get into a bit of your backstory and kind of like, in a nutshell, give me the flyby of like Chris Fick's life to present day.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, as you mentioned, I grew up in the Inland Empire. Um, I was born in Redlands and lived in, it was like Highland really close to San Bernardino, super close to the border of San Bernardino. And um, so I grew up out there, but most of my life was in Redlands because that was, it's like the cool city. Um, It's beautiful there. Yeah, no offense to anyone who's from San Bernardino or Highland, but Redlands is just like a better city.
0: (laughs) Redlands is awesome. Like Victorian style housing, small business. exactly, A lot of character, but it is a, a hard area too, like in surrounding like it definitely like you grew up different than like South Orange County. That's for sure. Right.
1: Yeah. Cause I, especially cause I didn't live in Redlands and Redlands is, is it's like the gem of the Inland Empire. Ah. Yeah. So it's kind of like the, I don't know. There's a lot of culture there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of scenes there of all, all types, you know, that's where you find good coffee. That's where you find art. That's where you find, you know, anything yeah. that's like kind of creative. Um, And so, yeah, I grew up in that area. Um, my parents—they uh, were—they were young. They're pretty young. They had me. Uh, my dad had had a really rough um, time with his dad, and he—he uh, he had ran out, and and so my dad became a dad pretty young, like I said. Uh, but he still had—he was struggling with um, drug and alcohol uh, addictions, and um, he actually ended up getting uh, going away when I was six to rehab. Mm. and um came back and he was no longer drinking he's no longer doing drugs and it's been a long time he's still he's still clean and sober Thank Such god an
0: awesome yeah testimony
1: yeah and so uh what was interesting about that is it, it it was i'm starting to realize more and more it affected me kind of a lot and uh it came out in some i guess some harsh uh responses to things like alcohol <laughs> like i i like I think I saw alcohol as like an issue with that, like it, it was like an assaulting my family, and so I became very against that. Um, and and in the same time, we were growing up in the church uh, to some extent. I was not getting it though, and I didn't really have a my own relationship or anything like that. Uh, and I was always kind of on the outside. Felt like I didn't even really belong. Um, and that's probably more me than it is the church, even. But that's not of uncommon I
0: felt. though. I think a lot, a lot of people have felt like that. Right.
1: Right. And I always felt different. I always felt different. I always felt like I just didn't fit fully with anywhere I went. I I loved sports. I'm a big sports guy. I played, you know, three sports in high school, but I didn't feel like I was just like a jock either, you know? And so I ended up, uh, when I was like, I don't know, 14 or 15, um, going to a hardcore show I'd, I'd gotten some other stuff. tapes this is how long ago it was
0: yeah before
1: that but I ended up going to a hardcore show and I felt like kind of like I was home <laughs> I don't know what I was like this is this feels right um and uh that along with like the whole straight edge scene uh it meant it made a lot of sense to me because I was already living that kind of militant life um and some intense I just was intense I was a pretty intense guy uh, and so uh that was kind of my introduction to that um and then you know through the hardcore scene actually i, I was being evangelized by bands i didn't know uh there's a certain band no innocent victim and they're actually out of Escobedo. oh yeah yeah and i they were just such a they had such a strong voice uh for a kid who was kind of didn't know where he was going and their message penetrated my heart even though i wasn't ready to respond um i i had a lot of anger and i you know I, I felt like i was really an angry person not not even for really a reason i would make up a reason to be mad you know and so the music was like really good in one sense and really bad in another because it, it kind of yeah fueled that fire i guess absolutely but i ended up getting uh saved after i ended up you know accepting the Lord after high school, because I was uh, in, in junior college at Valley, and I'd played a one fall league season of uh, baseball there. And I was working through a bunch of stuff, and I was like, man, is God real? And so he ended up... Uh, I, I remember saying, like, if he's real, I'm going to serve him. If he's not, I'm going to, like, expose this whole thing. That, that was, like,
0: sounds like you. <laughs> sounds like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to
1: blow the whole thing up, or yeah. I'm going to, like, be about it. And so I ended up man, he really revealed himself to me through so many different ways and um
0: and you had a lot of like Redlands hardcore friends who are also kind of on that path too, right?
1: Yeah. So what's cool about the Redlands scene is it's a legit scene. Like man, the, the guys know what's up. They had older guys, they really knew music. They were all really involved. Um, early on, had a lot of connections. And so we learned really well early, but a lot, there was actually quite a few of them had become believers. So that was a big influence on my life too. It was It was funny because it's like, they're pretty, they're hard. Like a lot of them are yeah. like hard too. So like they have like that element, but they're also, they had, you know, come to know the Lord. So there was it was a really unique culture to be kind of be part of. And they, they wrapped their arms around me. Um, my friend Eric in particular came out, and grabbed me, and says, You're hanging out with us now. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was cool.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. So that takes us through like you finding God and then like your journey in ministry is has spanned like a, a bunch of years now too, right? Yeah. You were at the packing house at Redlands at one point.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's, what's interesting is I, I feel like I got, I, I knew the Lord, I met the Lord, uh, but I kind of still was living my own life and I ended up, uh, messing around. I was at a, I was working for a car dealership in Fontana. I don't know if I should say names, but <laughs> I, I ended up pushing my friend cause he stole a route from me. I lost my temper really fast. And, uh, and he fell, and he was bleeding, and I got fired for assaulting another employee. And mm. uh, it kind of rocked me. And at the same time, it gave me like, man, I, I it was a good rock. Like, it kind of messed me up. I remember calling my dad and saying, man, I just got fired. I've never gotten fired in my life. And uh, it led me to going and really dedicating my life to the Lord. I came to the packing house, because that was the church my friends were going to, and uh, which was formerly Calvary Chapel Redlands. And one of the pastors said, hey, you want to do lunch? And I said, sure. And he said, hey, I know you're like hardcore. I was ready to do missions immediately, which is my all in nature. Uh, And he's like, hey, he's all smart about it. Like, you might not be ready for that. And I wasn't. And he said, how about you hang around the youth and, you know, maybe you can start helping there eventually Uh, and go on a mission trip to Albania. We're going to Albania that summer. That's so wild. So I did. I, I just didn't know what else to do, so I started hanging out. Next thing I knew, I was an intern, and I was. They were like, "Can you teach?" Sure. I start teaching. I started going to the Bible College. Um, lots of ups and downs. I ended up becoming uh, a pastor uh, here at Calvary Carlsbad after I met my wife at Bible College in Marietta. So um, yeah, so I've been a pastor for um, fifteen years almost.
0: That's wild.
1: Yeah. But I became the senior pastor here in 16, 2016, when my father-in-law was had some real health issues. And so we had to come back from South Orange County. So that's why we're here.
0: <laughs> I love it yeah. though. I love I one of the things that bonds us is I love like people that can be scrappy.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And like we have a great worship leader now, Troy, him and his wife Megan came down to join um some months back. And but before that, you're like, the senior pastor that if you have to lead worship, you go up there with the guitar, you're like, all right, cool. Like I'm leading worship this week. Oh, like I'm going to lead the youth thing this week. It's like, you're not afraid to jump in wherever it's needed. And, you know, that's just a really cool quality. I love it because, you know, you can see senior pastors that get more hands off and they're like, oh, cool. Like I've already done all that. I don't need to do it anymore. And you're just like, no, it's like all hands on deck. Like whatever I need to do, I'm here to serve the church, you know? Well, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm like,
1: (laughs) how much is too much? But
0: (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Right. You honor your family too. And you take time when you need it. No, totally. It's it's been, you know, I love that stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's
1: fun too. You know, like if there's no value to it, you wouldn't do it. But you're like, yeah been given enough, um, opportunities doing it all that you kind of have a jack of all trades thing. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you, Brad? (laughs) I, I, I think I was supposed to do that in five minutes and I probably took 10. Dude, it's good. So how about you? What about you?
0: So I grew up in mainly I'll say South Orange County, um, there's a little hopping around early on, but I always figure like where you identify growing up with usually has more to do with like the high school era. So, you know, I lived with my dad, my parents were separated before I can remember, but I lived with my dad till I was going into fourth grade. And then I made the switch to my mom's house. And my mom was like typical working mom, really tried hard to just like, take care of me. And my dad was always like really good about paying child support and something. So like we never went hungry or anything, but she was a working mom. So I grew up in Laguna Niguel, but I went to high school in Mission Viejo, which, you know, a lot of people in this area will be familiar with, but if you aren't, that's just a suburb. It's a South Orange County suburb.
1: So I grew up with a really good football team.
0: Yeah. And that's not without reason, right? That farming program is a way to recruit, even though you shouldn't recruit in high school, but (laughs) right. right. (laughs) That's neither here nor there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so mission Viejo is a city that has a lot of nice homes and very little poverty. So I like, I grew up in condos in Laguna Niguel, but I went to school with a lot of kids who are well off, but I was never someone who was like crazy well off, but I did grow up with kids who like had a BMW for their first car. So it was kind of always like, I think I always was drawn to the counter culture activities. I wasn't a big sports guy. I never excelled. I played football my freshman year. Parents forced me to. It didn't go well. Now I'm 6'2, two, like 200 pounds or whatever, but like I was 5'4, like 110 pounds trying to play football. <laughs> it did not go well. So I grew up skateboarding, skateboarding was my thing. Skateboarding was something I found I could make my own. and I started excelling, you learn at your own pace, and I started to like realize like I was getting better than some of my friends. And I just loved it. All I cared about was skating. And skating, I still skate to this day, and skating's like a really great thing, but one thing skating opens you up to is a lot of other kids that come from what I would call dysfunctional situations. That doesn't always mean that their parents are doing a bad job. It's just that, like, a lot of broken homes, a lot of parents that are working, so, like, their kids kind of during the day don't have a lot of supervision. And I started kind of, like, smoking pot with, like, the neighbor kid in junior high and just kind of getting into that thing. And then I stopped. So when freshman year hit, I was like, I don't want to go down this path. And I should say before that, like, My stepmom until I was 10 read me the Bible, but my dad didn't believe and my mom didn't believe. So I was always like conflicted between like, well, one person tells me there is a God and another person tells me there isn't. And I kind of just don't know how to feel about it. So I'm I'm a kid. I'm not emotionally mature. So it's like, I'm just not going to think about it. So anyway, in high school, a lot of my friends quit skating. And we started going to shows. So I would still skate here or there. I'd have seasons where I skated a lot. But for the most part, I became a straight edge kid and started going to hardcore shows.
1: I think we should probably say what straight edge is really quick, right? Yeah. (laughs) people are like, what the heck is that?
0: (laughs) And how it was defined for like a Redlands kid and a South Orange County kid might be a little different, right? But we didn't smoke, drink do drugs, but in South Orange County it was as much like a scene as it was like a thing. It's almost like if you were straight edge in South Orange County, you dressed a certain way. You kind of conformed to what straight edge was. And that might be a little different out in the Inland Empire, huh? Yeah. I
1: I mean obviously we were all part of the same scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there was there's some similarities, but I, I'd say a lot of my friends did not feel the same as they were as the Orange County kids. (laughs) I would agree with that. We had a little bit more of a, probably a chip on our shoulders. The Inland Empire chip on your shoulder.
0: What was the same is that it felt like a family. Right. It felt like you were joining a family and a lot of the bands were talking about and, and and kind of violent ways about how we dealt with people who did drugs and like, you know, but it was also fun you'd go to shows and you'd mosh and you'd kind of like know all these people from different high schools that were in the room and you're at Glass House or Chain Reaction or like Showcase Theater and like these venues we all went to and it's like you could go and know people from Redlands or you go to Capo Valley and Mission Viejo but oh, I know all the Dana Point kids and I know the Irvine kids and all these different cities. It unified people and it felt like what the church feels like for me now, but almost more real with the church, is I felt like, oh, we all have these higher morals, and we take care of each other, and we're all moving in one direction. We've agreed, like, these are the things that we value and champion, and if you're with us, you're with us. But I realized in the straight-edge scene that that love was very conditional. Right. So when I started getting really depressed. I struggled with depression since I was a little kid. But um, when I got really depressed, there were some events that happened in my life. And um, I ended up doing drugs. And when a bunch of my straight edge friends found out, it was like, if we see you, we're going to beat you up type deal. And it was like, my chosen family now just abandoned me.
1: Which added on to all kinds of other
0: So then you lean in harder. So now you're running around with other people who want to buy and sell pills or like, you know, you're getting into that kind of stuff. And we don't need to get into the grittiness of that. But it's like the next X amount of my years were tied to like skateboarding and sedating myself and partying. And I almost died a few times. It was like I never got into what I would call the hard drugs, but I was a mid level guy. Mm -hmm. I got into stuff that could kill you but i wasn't doing heroin and living on the street i still had an apartment you know there'd be like 6 of us in a 3 bedroom apartment but we had a place to live right and just justifying my behavior and i kind of i got to a point where i i was like an atheist hmm. i was full blown like i don't believe that there is any rhyme or purpose to this i think it just happened we're mold growing on this planet. And I was doing psychedelics trying to expand my mind. But all it did was made me like more depressed, mm-hmm. more isolated. Mm-hmm. My anxiety was through the roof. I started having like borderline panic attacks where I'd freak out. Like, what if I get hit by a bus today? What if my girlfriend, a car hits her or someone kidnaps her? Like every scenario would go through my head because I'm like, well, there's no one looking out for me. And previous to that, I always thought someone's looking out for me. Things have always kind of worked out for me or a family took me in. I I moved out when I was 17. Mm -hmm. Um, I was having some issues with my mom and my stepdad. There was just a lot of turmoil in the house. There was no abuse or anything. It's just we didn't see eye to eye and there was a lot of yelling. And eventually I left. And then I was told I couldn't come back home. So I was kind of couch hopping and whatnot. But I always looked at it as like someone's looking out for me. And then I got to a point where I'm like no one is looking out for you. And that was the scariest thought that I ever had. Mm. It, it wasn't enjoyable for me. Mm. So anyway, we'll flash forward some years. I'm doing my thing, bar life, whatever, hanging out with people that are getting me further and further into just complete dysfunction. I didn't like who I was, but I didn't know another way to live. And I was dating a girl at the time, and her mom was like a hell's angel at one point or like hung out with the hell's angels. And she had been a Christian for like probably over a decade at that point. But I viewed her as someone that like I could talk to. She had like a few tattoos. She came from a rugged scene. I didn't feel judged when I was with her. And she would always like see me hung over the day after I was at the bar or something and be like, She called me baby boy. She'd go, baby boy, I know that God has so much in store for you and you have so much more potential than what you're living up to right now. And I received that, you know, not at first. At first, I'm like, how can you believe that? But over time, I'm like, what is it you see about me that I'm not seeing? Mm -hmm. And that led to a lot of conversations. And over the course of six months, it kind of like God revealed himself to like, you hear this a lot from people. God revealed himself to me in a way so specific to me that I could no longer go about my my life trying to say that he didn't exist. I was like, I, I can't deny this. But I also, as I said earlier, like, who am I supposed to be now? Right. So anyway, through some skate ministry that was going on, I started like going to church. I started skating with guys who were Christians, but also had sponsors and doing some skate ministry stuff and I was feeling good about it. Like life was good and I'm like, Oh, I'm doing like skate stuff. I'm trying to use this for a better purpose. And then my left knee went out on me and it happened very suddenly. I went to the skate park one day and I went to pop my board and I fell over and I was like, what just happened? And I couldn't even push my knee kept collapsing and I didn't have insurance. And by the time I got insurance and had it looked at, it was just like the cartilage in your knee is so bad, Hmm. but you're too young to do a surgery. I was like 23 or 24 at the time. They're like, we don't want to do a surgery, but you're just going to have to power through this, like do squats, do lunges. So I was feeling pretty mad at God. And this is where the story takes the turn that leads me to today. Right. And we'll wrap it up. But Through the time where I was having a hard time skating, I was working at Oakley, and I had started uh, the sunglass company, and I had started a skate blog with friends, and we were having a hard time getting filmers out. Like, trying to talk someone in to coming out to film you and your friends for free every weekend just because you're going to a skate park and want to record it is very difficult. So we started filming on these flip video cameras. It's like a point and shoot. Hmm. I rem- I remember those. Yeah. And
1: the little USB oh, like, yeah. off the side and you plug it right oh, into your yeah. computer. Yeah.
0: And then no one knew how to edit, so I'm like, oh, here's iMovie. I'll figure that out. Yeah. And then all of a sudden I realized, like, oh, I love filming and editing. I, I like this as much as I like skating. And then I got a better camera. I got like a Canon T2I. And then I got Final Cut Pro. And I started learning the craft and then I started filming for friend sponsors and I would get thrown some boards or like wheels or like I was living in a skate house and my friend like when he would get a box of shirts in the mail there'd be some shirts for me for like filming clips or whatever I'm like this is cool but eventually you get bored a couple years down the line you're just filming skateboarding so I started doing events and different things I synced up with the guy some guys from Oakley then I went full-time and I was a full-time freelancer and there were some roller coasters as my daughter was born. Mm-hmm. But all of these relationships added up to me getting picked up at a commercial agency. And that was like my film school. I was there for years and, and we shot with Under Armour and Adidas and a lot of really cool Asics. Um, we did a bunch of makeup commercials and it was awesome. But I didn't feel as fulfilled as I wanted to feel. I'm like, what is this all for? Everything's so temporary. Mm-hmm. You bust your hump to make these things and they post them and two days l- later they're like irrelevant. And I wanted to do documentaries. And that kind of leads to where we're at today. I'm a documentary director. I'm trying to do um, kind of some gritty Christian work and things like addiction and um, and we're gonna do a lot of things. I have a lot on the radar, but uh, and many doc pieces and, and my heart is for doing authentic, documentary storytelling and places that get messy and what is God doing in those. And then in the process of that, I ended up down here in Carlsbad and my wife and I have just loved it. And it's been awesome getting closer with you and Tori and, Mm -hmm. um, and just watching this church grow. And, um, yeah, it's been a wild ride the last 14 years walking with God, but it's just gotten better and better. And I just kind of wanted to say like, I know more about myself now as I've walked with God and as he's revealed stuff to me than I ever knew when I thought I had found my identity in skateboarding or in the hardcore scene or any of these, any of these previous things when you're like, oh, this is my people or this is who I am. I realize like now I'm like, man, as I've walked with God, I've become more and more who I actually am called to be. And it's been such a wonderful thing, you know?
1: Totally. I... (laughs) It's funny, like you're you can't be more truly yourself than you are before God, because a, a lot of the other stuff, even this, this, I'm sure with the skate scene, the hardcore scene. I mean, it's funny, like I remember having that mentality, that straight edge mentality. You go, like, what kind of a family is that? What kind of f- friends are that? Are those, you know? Yeah. And I, like, as far as in the church setting, like. You would want to run to help those people, like if you could, yeah. you know, like you would want to rush in to do that, and it's so a lot of like the whole, I guess, bravado and the image and all of that stuff. It's it's like we don't need that here because we. So it's it's like getting rid of all the stuff that's like false self stuff, and then being uh, free to be who you really are in Christ which is like if he made you and we believe this obviously he created you in the image of God uh to be part of his mission what he's doing to subdue the land to rule the land and to like be on on point as his ambassadors like he's going to make us individually unique and then like almost like turn on the lights And I feel like that's what it's been like knowing Christ. So it's like there's parts of those identities, I think, that are so much better than that whole fake, phony world. There's a lot of honesty and realness in the counterculture. And I love the gritty, like the fact that you want to do gritty stuff. I love that because I feel like that is exactly what Jesus did. He was in gritty situations all the time. So part of our heart in this ministry is because we love gritty. And because that's where we see we see Jesus at work, um, not just for the perfect people, you know, shallow and deceitful, <laughs> staring back at me on TV and magazine. No, it's it Pennywise. <laughs> Taking me back to my junior high days. But yeah, uh, it was a good album, though. Right, but it was it's just one of those things where you're like, this is not who we're supposed to be. And so I I love that you do that. and I love that we get to be that. And I even think it's cool here at our church. we seeing God, like, start to open up doors to become, walk into that even more so.
0: And I think part of our heart for this podcast is, like, we plan to have guests in from different aspects of of different communities to get into the weeds on some of, like, what is going on. We want to encourage people, and our faith, um, I think will come out more and more as we talk, because it really, like, it just flows out of us. That's who we are, but, um... I just think like one thing I've kind of had some friends asking me about things recently, and there's always this, this condemnation of like, oh, because I did this thing, you know, someone said I'm going to hell because I got a tattoo or because I lived with my girlfriend or, or any of these things. And I've been telling them like, no, actually like the world stands in condemnation. Like the world is already in chaos. You don't have to look too far to realize that this world's scary and crazy and out of control, but. Jesus said, like, I came to save, to redeem, to justify. And it's like, how could that not impact and make you more and more who you're meant to be? As like, God says, like, let me show you like a better, like, we're going to do this together. But all these chains and all the bondage that makes you depressed and has you tangled up and drama and all these things, like, I'm going to break that stuff off you. Not that you're going to be perfect. Mm Mm-hmm. But you're gonna learn to walk in a way that like lessens the damage that that previous life you were in. But then you also I'm not calling to take you out of all that. Like you still love hardcore music. Mm -hmm. I still go skate with friends. Do I love demonic images on boards that I see on graphics and stuff? No, of course not. But Mm -hmm. I love skateboarders. Yeah. I hit it off with skaters. I sit on ledges and talk to people that you know, have different opinions about God or whatever. And it's like, I want to like be a part of that as much now as I always did, but I look at it different. I have a different perspective on how I see these things, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the the ability to then re-enter into those worlds as as light bearers, as witnesses. I think we'll we'll talk a lot about that. I'm sure a lot of stories will come up. Um, I hope so. Yeah, a lot of... Uh, cause again, this is, this isn't like, we're not doing this podcast as like a marketing tool or something like that. It, it's like a conversation that we're having. We're like, I think this could be helpful for other people. And at the same time, we're like, we would just do it if it was just for us.
0: If we didn't have a microphone right now, we probably would have had the same conversation minus the backstory, right? Just because that's who we are. We, we have these kind of conversations with each other.
1: Yep, Exactly.
0: So if you listen this far, we're stoked. Thanks for, for tuning in. We hope you'll continue to join us throughout the season. We're going to have guests on, we're going to talk about topics. We're going to get into issues dealing with identity and just, you know, a lot of different things. And we're going to be posting on Apple podcasts and on Spotify. And, um, you know what, just if anyone has any questions about anything we talk about, or they just want non-judgment clarity on what we're saying, where's the best place they can reach us?
1: Uh, you know, one of the ways is, I guess, through the, our church email, contact at calvarycarlsbad.com. So it's contact at calvarycarlsbad.com. Um, that's, a, that's a good way to, to reach out.
0: Yeah, and just yeah. address it to Chris or Brad or Chris yep. and Brad or, exactly. or whatever and like yep. we're all about, you know. I always say this to my friends, but it's like there's nothing you can say or ask me that's going to offend me. Right. Like I know who I am and what I'm about and I'm okay to answer you honestly. I'm not going to get upset cuz you had a question about something or you know wanted clarity on something and I think that's your heart too.
1: Yeah, and that's that's actually a lot more prevalent in the Bible than a lot of us think. <laughs> you yeah. see, you can see like there's a book called Lamentations, you know, like where it's like people going through stuff, asking hard questions. David does that in the Psalms pretty often. Like there, there's real stuff going on, and there's you know God is He's big and He wants us to bring all of that to Him. Just like you know we're we're I think we probably should say we have families. Like I have I have a wife and I have three kids: a son, two daughters. Uh, and you have you have a, a daughter a wife and and a daughter and a son mm-hmm. i want my kids to bring hard things to me i don't yeah. want them to try to do it on their own like you know i want to be able to guide them and help them through like self initiation is killing our youth because they don't know where to go yeah so we got we want to be able to like be a part of helping in that process just like god wants us to bring all this stuff to him so it, we're hoping it's a really real and raw and um honest Conversation and that leads to like good fruit where God can speak and like go, Man, I think that was for me. Yeah, we're hoping that it's like absolutely. (laughs)
0: Well, hey, thanks for listening to the Voyager podcast episode zero, episode one, something like that. An introduction, but we're thankful you joined in and we'll see you in the next one.
1: Yes, thank you for joining us.
0: Thanks for tuning into the Voyager Podcast. If you'd like to reach out, you can reach us through Instagram at the Voyager Podcast or through contact at CalvaryCarlsbad.com. We hope this has been encouraging for you. Until next time.